Hey, this is Zen Perry. Thanks for listening to the Zen Perry Project. I have a few requests of you before we get into the show. First is go to Zen Perry Project, Z-E-N-P-E-R-R-Y Project on Instagram. Give us a follow. Second is make sure you follow and turn on notifications for our episodes wherever you listen to the Zen Perry Project. And third is share the show with somebody. Maybe send them an episode they'd be interested in. Without further ado, here's the show. Thanks for listening. Tailored upon a legacy founded on rock and roll and a revolution. Home defines a style that is as timeless as a moment in your life. Home 1969, where everyone is welcome. If you want to check out more from Home Brand USA, go to home1969.com. You can find a bunch of curated, awesome vintage stuff and their own styles. It's really, really cool stuff. And I'm very glad to have them uh, support this uh, these few episodes that come from New York. We interviewed a bunch of New Yorkers, and that's what this season is about. It's about our trip to New York. Today on the show is Caroline Harrison. You can find her at Caroline Draws on Instagram. She does a bunch of art for bands, such as Sun O and Pig Destroyer. Her shit's incredible. Uh, she works or helps out with a St. Vitus bar, which is a frequent bar of my good buddy in uh, New York. He mentioned that this is the kind of bar that people do their after show shows at. So it'll be a big ass metal band who plays some big place in New York. And then for a little after party, they go play a show at this little uh, metal dive bar. So it's got a cool history. It's relatively new and Caroline put a GoFundMe up and save their asses during the pandemic so just all around cool music art how that ties in and her whole upbringing it's really cool just to hear about artists and what drives them and how they ended up doing what the fuck they do so anyway i'm gonna try and keep this one short this little intro if you could leave a review that would mean the world to me i'm also doing a little giveaway for people that do so just send me a dm of a little snapshot of leaving that review and maybe share a few posts from the Instagram and I'll uh, give you 10 bucks. Yeah, I'm doing it for the first uh, first few people to do it. So yeah, get on that. You could win some free money. Anyway, thanks for listening. Here's the fucking show. Caroline Harrison on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. How would you introduce yourself to somebody that maybe has no idea what you do? I am an artist who mostly works with drawing, I guess, specifically. Um, And I say drawing because I don't think of myself really as a painter. Um, And I do a lot of work with bands who have sort of like a like-minded interest in the macabre and the weird and the anxious right and i I love the emphasis on anxious (laughs) do you describe a lot of your friends as anxious uh not tons i think there's something about just being alive right now that kind of triggers a lot of anxiety for folks but um i think a lot of the stuff that i gravitate towards um people but also like art and music tends to have this kind of undercurrent of anxiety and just sort of awareness of of the world yeah 
In what ways was your life changed after you finished reading the yellow wallpaper? <laughs> I don't know. That's I. It's one of those things where I think I read that in high school for the first time, and it was sort of just an a nice articulation of a lot of the things I'd been angry about, like my whole life. I don't know, but it, it's funny that you mentioned that one specifically, cause I've actually had to read it for multiple classes. Um, just because I ended up being interested in sort of like the, um, literature and, and culture that addressed like mental health and feminism and, and health more broadly. So this is in high school. Um, I had to read it for the first time in high school, but I revisited it in a class in college that was uh, medicine and literature and film from 1850 to the present, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah. Cool. And uh, I'm assuming maybe some feminism classes as well? Uh, not explicitly. I just have sort of been consuming that kind of stuff my whole life. Um, so, and also living it, I guess, would be part of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, where are you from exactly? Are you from Brooklyn? No, I'm actually from right outside of Boston. Um, I was born in Boston, grew up like literally like two minutes from a welcome to Boston sign. So yeah, I was, I, my parents are teachers. so I grew up on a private school campus. So. Oh, on a, on a campus. Yeah. I was a faculty brat. What was that like? I had the best backyard ever and unlimited babysitters. And, you know, my parents were teachers at the schools that I went to. So um, all the teachers had known me since I was pretty little um, or they knew my parents pretty well. So had a lot of people who were psyched to be like, oh, you're you're reading. Check this out. Or like, you know, yeah, you probably got the best babysitters because they were they're probably the, yeah. creep of the crop of the classes. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was that. There were also, um, you know, some of the babysitters were like boarders because um, there was like a small boarding component to the school where I grew up. So, um, but just like an endless supply of really sick babysitters. That's cool. Um, any specific memories you have? Like what What was maybe an early memory for you that you realized like, hey, I live on a school or out of school? I don't know that there was ever like a, an awareness of that so much as it just kind of like suffused everything. Um, cause if I would be staying home from school sick or, you know, my mom couldn't get childcare for some reason or another, I would end up like hanging out in her office. Um, or yeah. And so I was always like in and around classrooms and stuff like that. So, and my dad taught at my elementary school. So I was spending a lot of time there as well. Do you think your parents were cool? Yeah. I mean, as cool as anyone's parents are, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yes, in some ways, no, in others. But like, I think that's kind of your job as a kid to be like, man, you guys are kind of embarrassing. Yes. So, yeah. But no, like they, they did nothing but encourage me. And, um, you know, my mom was real big into making sure I had like feminist kids books and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. So, do you, remember, do you remember any? Oh God, yeah. Um, so some of my favorites. There was one called "Girls Can Do Anything," um, which was all about like a little girl and a little boy playing, and the little boy was a little shit, and he'd be like, "Oh, girls can't be president. You have to be like the first lady." And she'd be like, "Did you ever hear of Indira Gandhi?" And like stuff like that. Um, but there was a lot of like, you know, history books and like anecdotes about real people. Um, 
I can't remember the name of one, but it was like Daring Women or something like that. So it was a bunch of short chapters about real people like Bessie Smith, who was the first, I think the first woman to get a pilot's license and also the first Black American to get a pilot's license, maybe. Um, but yeah, just like sort of broadly, um, they couldn't get me to stop reading. So like, yeah. Was that your thing? You were just kind of always buried in a book? Oh, God, always. Yeah. Constantly. That kid at the restaurant that he just like never looks up maybe for like a third second. Yeah, I would get car sick if I read, but I like in the summers we were going up to, we we're spending a lot of time in New Hampshire and the closest library was like 30 minutes away. And I would just like make myself ill, like reading the books on the way home. But even though I knew I would feel horrible, still read the whole way. It was worth it. Totally. All right. What was your, uh, I assumed you were probably drawing and getting inspiration from all sorts of things as a kid. Um, so what was your, I guess, first experience sort of knowing that you, you liked drawing? Um, I don't know. They, like, I always really liked illustrations in books. I always liked drawing my own stories in like kindergarten and stuff. Um, I guess I, I like sort of learned to copy things, I guess, which I think a, a lot of people, like I, I know that copying stuff kind of, it feels like a little bit reductive, but like if you're a kid, you kind of learn by doing and by copying a lot of the time. Um, so I don't know. I, I I think it's kind of always been a thing that I was interested in. But in high school, I, I really became like that became like what I was about. I think so. Well, that's pretty cool. I I was gonna ask uh, who is Indira Gandhi. Oh, she was uh the first female prime minister of India. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, in like the sixties or seventies. Okay. But you know, I was you know a child of the eighties, so a lot of my kids' books were published around then. So that was like the examples that the book had to draw on yeah i never really uh yeah heard of heard of that person um all right so why do you think metalheads give a shit about art and the art that goes along with their music um i think some of it is just that there isn't any money in metal like a really extreme music specifically there's just it's not going to be commercially viable so there's this sort of like real love of like all of the craft and the, the creative stuff that goes into like the actual making of the music. So I think there's a lot more control for the most part, because with the exception of like the Rick Rubin, like Slayer era or whatever, um, there's, you know, there hasn't really been the like biggest band in the world kind of commercially viable thing. Like that's part of why Metalocalypse was so funny is because it was so ludicrous. Um, yeah. if you've ever seen Metalocalypse, okay. um, but yeah, I don't know. They like, they also really give a shit about, you know, supporting the bands that there are. And I think partially because that scene of music, the music is so aggressive and alienating to anybody who doesn't sort of spend a lot of time around it. There's this real kind of, um, I guess you, you have to kind of be really into it. And I feel like a lot of people sort of spend time like defending and, and sort of um, justifying their love of it to other people. Obviously that, that doesn't really boil down to like why people like it in the first place. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just like a lot more creative control that goes into the actual end product um, by the people who are making it. And 
the fans are so invested in the actual music and um, you know the bands themselves that they're you know more interested in buying a t-shirt or like buying the LP instead of like you know the streaming it on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Um, I think it's kind of like the banners that somebody flies for like you and your group or whatever this the, the artistic artistic. Yeah. Around. Plus, you got a lot of Tolkien nerds and stuff like that. So there's like the whole fantasy art like kind of um, stuff going into it. And like there was like heavy metal magazine kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, like all the Frank Frazetta worship. Yeah, who's that? Uh, Frank Frazetta is an illustrator from. Uh, I don't remember exactly when he was active. I know he was like big in the seventies, but if you've ever seen like the Conan kind of illustrations of like these very scantily clad men and women, um, everyone has great asses. Like it's very like archetypally fantasy, sci-fi, more fantasy, um, illustration. Yeah. You would recognize the stuff if you saw it, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, I just, a lot of cartoon asses. Just... You're good. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they're not like cartoon. They're more of like the um, sort of uh, fantasy book cover style, like painting, sort of more realism kind of stuff. But got it. So like erotica now is coming to mind. I, I'm probably completely yeah. <laughs> You're not. I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of cross pollination between the two. I'm sure, and like a lot of Frazetta stuff, like does certainly border on like the titillating. Not border. He like loves playing in like sort of more titillating uh, territory. Cool. Well, I'll check that out. That, that, yeah. that He's fun. Cool. It's, you know. So you mentioned that Pierons, am I saying that right? You are actually on your first try, which is not that common. Yeah. Well, I have to like practice saying shit before I do interviews. I'm like, Caroline, don't say Caroline, yeah. you motherfucker. Yeah. No, that I, I very much appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that uh, 2014 Mother of Virtues was a big uh, turning point for them and yourself. Yeah artist um what was that like why why was it um i mean so is their second full length uh i think it sort of really is the album that sounds the most like them um they sort of started to find their own voice in a way where like nothing else was really sounding like that um and i guess for me just working on the cover for that album I was able to take sort of a lot of things that I'd kind of been mulling over. And I feel like the actual final product, like the actual album cover looked like the art I wanted to be making, which um, for me, like a lot of the stuff prior to that, that I'd made, like didn't really look like the stuff I really, it wasn't stuff that I was super stoked on, I guess. So uh, not only like subject wise. hmm? What were you making before? honestly, like a lot of student work, or I just like wasn't making stuff because I was, you know, I would get sort of paralyzed by like the pressure of making something good. But then also I was a little burnt out on, you know, what should I be making um, based on coming out of school? And like, I don't know, I think the first couple of years after someone graduates from like undergrad, unless they're, you know, genius wonderkins, and there are those people and they're wonderful. Um, I mean, the first couple of years, hell, the first like 10 years, like, you don't know who you are. You're fucking 22. Like, you're not a fully formed adult as much as you think you might be. <laughs> so there was like a lot of crisis. Of, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like crisis of confidence kind of shit. And like, um, 
also just, you know, being depressed and not wanting to make stuff because I didn't think it was good enough. So, which is a sort of self-fulfilling kind of thing. Because if you don't make stuff, then it's not going to be good. If you don't practice. <laughs> yeah, because it's not stuff. You didn't make anything. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you made that? Uh, 2014, I think. So I was 26. Sounds about yeah. right. Um, yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head for um, art school. I, I I went for drumming and I couldn't do it yeah. for a while afterwards. And I think I'm just starting to like get good at it again. It's been a few years, so it's yeah. hard. It's fucking hard, yeah. Um, and then just feeling like you're shit because somebody was just like getting on every little thing that you did. Yeah, and like the people who get on every little thing that you're doing, they're there to do that to make you like become better. But I think often it can kind of backfire for some people and kind of like beat the love of the thing and the doing out of them. Um, and like, if you have a really good teacher, they, they manage to make you want to be better instead of just like making you feel like shit. Yeah. So, Do you have any good teachers? Where, where'd you go to school? I went to Penn in Philly. So it was a, not an art school, but I majored in art. Um, and yeah, I definitely had some great teachers. I definitely... However, also was, you know, 21 when I was working on my thesis, 22. And like, again, who fucking knows at that point? Like, I had stuff I was interested in looking at, but I also didn't, I was really like feeling my way out. And when you're just kind of forced to kind of like make and make and make in those situations and classes, um, sometimes you get good stuff, but sometimes you're also just trying to internalize the feedback of too many people. Um, and like that can be helpful and harmful. So, you know, and also like in like an art school context, like I, my program was more like fine arts focused and less sort of like tradey. Um, and so there was a lot of emphasis put on like the thought and like the art and like the sort of fine art side of it. And at the same time, you know, because it was more of like an art major than an art school there were a lot of like fundamentals and stuff that I probably didn't practice as much as a lot of art school kids might have so yeah I mean at that point it's like about figuring out not only what you want to say but having the technical skills to say it the way that you want to say it if that makes sense yeah totally um was this the this was the painting that you did with the eyes all over the person right yeah which is yeah and you recently dressed up as that right yeah which was honestly i love halloween and if a costume idea cracks me up for like more than 10 minutes it's like i'm like all right that's gold yeah right no. it felt a little yeah it felt a little self-aggrandizing but also like Piron was playing a halloween show in new york so i was like this is the only opportunity i'm gonna have to do this like creepy weird costume um where people are gonna get it yeah and even if people don't get that. it yeah, yeah. either way <laughs> yeah uh so cool uh did anybody ask you about it and you're like oh it's actually from a painting that i did of this band um yeah i actually I was standing next to the merch table at one point and someone was like, what are you? And I just like pointed to the LP cover and they were like, oh, um, which definitely felt a little weird, but who, who fucking cares? Yeah. It's also like every band wears their own shirts. Uh, not no? every band. And the, 
I, I'm really guilty of, um, I have a friend who does wear his own shirts and I absolutely give him shit for it. Really? Yeah, but I'm also a jerk, so. There's that. Um, I, uh, yeah, I've definitely worn my band shirts, although I did feel like it was a little, little much. Well, but do you wear them like just kind of around or do you like go out places and hang out with your friends at shows in your own band's shirts? I don't do it anymore. Um, but it was both. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. I mean, at least, at least that, see, like, again, I'm kind of being a jerk here, but like in, in my friend's case, he's like, well, yeah, I love my band and I commissioned some sick art by some dude that I really like. And I'm going to continue to give him shit because. Because why? The kind of person that I am, but, um, but you know, I I fully understand his argument. I appreciate it. I think he's a more confident and secure person than I am in that respect. Yeah. So I guess wearing wearing your own costume of something you drew was probably like uh, it was a little uncomfortable. But like whatever. I I don't have confidence most of the time. So like pretending I had confidence was part of a Halloween costume in a way. Yeah, you're you're wearing multiple faces that night. Exactly. <laughs> um. So you uh. This, this is weird. I'm like going off a lot of questions because I just like researched way, way deep. But uh, you've mentioned before being a hypochondriac. I'm a hypochondriac. I'm like, oh shit, my side hurts. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm dying. I think this is my life yeah. giving out from drinking. And then I go in the doctor and nothing fucking happens. And they're like, oh, it's weird nerve pain. Stop being a freak about it. Or whatever. Yeah. They're like, maybe you should stop drinking so much if you're scared about yeah. it. Yeah. Not anything else please speaking um, of sorry i'm gonna crack up just in case that sound was something you need to come out later like right there it was so it was so on cue um well i feel bad not, I no go. you're good i don't yeah and well that's the other thing it's like i don't know that it's um some of it is hypochondria in a way but it's also like just anxiety plus having like low level chronic conditions in the first place kind yeah. of snowballs yeah absolutely um yeah i had a, a close friend recently uh she was always complaining about her stomach and everybody's like hey like you're fine like don't worry about it. and then they finally found something after many doctor visits and it was a papaya sized fucking cyst yeah no not, i'm not not trying to freak you out but that was <laughs> no but like given given my like uh recreational interest in like weird medical oddities um, yeah, ovarian cysts especially are like a really common instance of people being like, oh, I'm sorry, lady, woman, this is all in your head. Have you tried not thinking about it? And then like three months later, they pull like a 20 pound ovarian cyst out of this person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now that freaked me out too. And I, I will never give her shit ever again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't have from the start, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so how does that go into, um, just kind of your your art in general like why is it I've always heard that writing a book about um, something that scares you is just kind of the, the way to get over is it is it that sort of aspect or do you just like find it cool it's kind of both because um, I think like in general the way that people get sick and who looks sick and who doesn't and sort of the way that the body kind of especially I think early on I was kind of fixated on like cancers and mutations and things like that um the way that your own body can kind of just go haywire um 
like autoimmune disorders are a great example of this where like it's your own immune system for the most part being overzealous and then like all of a sudden your immune system is attacking your own skin and you're like covered in like psoriasis for instance um or like you know if you have a tumor it's because there's been some like genetic mutation that was you know maybe a gene didn't turn off that was supposed to turn off when it like was done doing its job um and then sort of like a cascade of effects um ended up kind of turning into this like uncontrollable growth inside of you um so yeah i don't know i guess like looking at that stuff has always been something i've been interested in um like if i would get sick i would like google whatever it was because demystifying what I was dealing with was a way of being less concerned about it, if that makes sense. Um, but then there's also just like being a weird, gross kid who likes looking at like old medical diagrams and stuff because it's, you know, dissecting stuff is cool. <laughs> I always liked that part of biology. <laughs> yeah, what have you dissected? Oh, I uh, you know, the standard stuff like a rat, um, a fetal pig. A cow eyeball i don't know yeah i um i born and raised vegetarian so when i had to dissect a frog with my buddy neither of us really like felt weird like doing it just like starting it um i had way too much fun with the fetal pig in my ap bio class so yeah, yeah. That's cool. uh, my yeah it was definitely one of those things where like it was a little too on brand and a little like too like dramatic melodramatic high schooler kind of but it was also really cool. You could like dissect this entire little organism and like see everything inside of it. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, what kind of friends did you have in high school? What, what kind of kid were you? Did you mostly keep to yourself or did you find your crew at that point? I was kind of one of those weird floater kids. Um, I had, you know, friends, but it, my friends kind of existed in different social groups. So I wasn't necessarily like one social group or another, um, you know, probably hung out with like the art and theater kids the most. But, you know, one of my good friends was um, like a science nerd who was also on the wrestling team. And like uh, another one of my friends is a, you know, absolutely brilliant, um, like multilingual, multilingual woman who went like, uh, into education and government and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. It was classic, like, angsty teenage bullshit where you are, you know, insufferable to be around. And, you, like, looking back at it, you're just glad that you had friends at all. Yeah, right. You're like, why did they do everybody, every? Well, the, everybody dealt with each other because everybody was terrible at that age, so. Totally. Uh, did you ever get in trouble? No, I was like the goodiest two shoes. Like if I got into trouble, it was like over like not cleaning my room or something like that. Yeah. Or like being sarcastic. I don't know. I was like very, very good <laughs> to like a fault. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I had a turning point in high school where I was like the best kid ever. And then um, I got a bad group of friends, I guess. Um but yeah, I was like born and raised Boy Scout, so. Yeah, well, and it's funny because like, I don't know, given all of the weird shit that I'm into, you would probably be like, ah, oh, you were a rebel. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I did absolutely nothing 
Like I, yeah, I was, my mom didn't even like let me go to like prom parties because she was like, they're just going to be drinking. So I had to like go home early. <laughs> You're like, all right guys, later. Like, uh, Chase, can you drive me home? Yeah, please. Um, oh, what the fuck was I going to say? Ah, it was so good. Oh yeah, were you, um, do you have any band friends in high school? I did, was there a band scene going on at your high school? Um, there really, there really wasn't, there was like one band, um, and they were friends, but I was, I was involved in music and stuff like that in high school. So I was like in the blues band. I was in, I was in every choir situation I could be let into. Um, blues band. Yeah. I, I sang in the blues band, um, oh. with, yeah. Uh, which was awesome. It was like a weird little microcosm of a whole bunch of kids from different like social milieus, um, like cool kids, stoner kids, jocks, nerds, whatever. Um, and yeah, the guy who directed it was awesome. We would meet on like either Monday or Tuesday nights, I think. I'm like, I don't know. I never felt cooler than when I was at like blues band practice. Yeah, Rad, did you, uh, did you have any inspirations for, for that? Like, I don't know, anybody that you really got into, like, um. Uh, I mean, he would, the guy who ran it was great because he would give us sort of like a cross section of people every, um, every semester and be like, all right, like, here's a tape of things that I think we could learn to do. Like vocalists pick something that you want to sing. So, um, you know, things like not only like Etta James and Ray Charles, cause he was like sticking with the greats, but like Jimmy Reed, um, there was a really cool Jimmy Reed song. There would also be like, um, oh God, I'm blanking on the name of the guy. A um, bunch of classics. Um, I don't yeah. know. I did a Bob Dylan song one year that was like more of like a bluesy Bob Dylan one. Yeah. Awesome. I, I love uh, I love like Muddy Waters. and. Yeah, we definitely did like some Muddy Watersy kind of stuff too. Rad. Cool. So wait, you don't, you don't have music online, right? Or do you? No. So I was, I was like really big into singing, um, through high school and then a little bit into college, but I ended up getting some like vocal injuries cause I had a bunch of undiagnosed food allergies that like exacerbated acid reflux that can kind of fuck with your vocal cords. And now I'm like relearning how to sing, but it's a whole process. Yeah. I, I bet I was like, as I was just doing some Googling, there was a there is somebody with your same exact name. There is, yeah. Okay, cool. About <laughs> That's that. not me, no. Like, is it? I'd be surprised, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not judging. Um, cool. Yeah, her her stuff yeah. is is very much not something that I would listen to, but she's a very competent musician. She's great. Well, uh, we'll let her know that. We'll uh, <laughs> DM her. Um, so, what do you use? Uh, D obviously like you're you're looking at some sort of picture or I'm sure it just doesn't come to your mind. What do you use as models for your for your work? Uh combination of a lot of things, but I a lot of them are actually self-portraits. Um just partly because I am my most accessible model, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Um Yeah. Well, and a lot of the stuff that I work on is also this like fairly like violent or like depressive or anxious or generally like dark kind of stuff and it feels very weird and like it feels kind of like a violation to to do that to somebody else in a way um 
And like a lot of it's like rooted in a lot of those feelings. And if I'm trying to evoke a feeling, it's a lot easier for me to kind of do that with myself. Um, but I've, I was trying to get better at using other models and then like global pandemic. So um, that kind of, I'd started and then like I had to kind of go back to the, the basics. I do look at a lot of images, broadly speaking, um, but as far as like specific models, it's usually just like stuff that I've taken. Yeah. So like Sarah Burns lives in this area, or she lived, she's always traveling around. Um, yeah, and a lot, she uses a lot of models for her stuff. But I think it, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's a little voyeuristic to look at somebody and draw them differently. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not, it's not that I don't, I don't know. I've modeled for like, uh, friends that, um, are, are either photographers or artists or whatever. Um, so it's not like I'm opposed to the idea of like using somebody else. It's just that I haven't figured out how to do that for myself yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I mean, like, part of it also if you think about just kind of like the history of portraiture and self-portraiture within the context of art like um there is this kind of group of not group but I guess there is this sort of um practice especially among female artists of like reclaiming the body by doing these self-portraits like it's the only time that you have as a person to kind of control how you are perceived and how you're like presented um I don't know. So there is, there is some amount of that, I think at play as well. Yeah. Like, like there's a control thing. Yeah. Embodying like what, what the anxiety feels like to you or just emotion yeah. in some way. Yeah. Or also like, you know, I have a very specific idea of how I want to be perceived in this piece. And I want to sort of take that control back a little bit. Like this isn't supposed to be titillating. This should make you feel bad. <laughs> um, so I like that. That's uh, I think that's a good good way to write metal. That sounds so weird when I say it. I love metal. I just like it's weird I mean, talking about it. Titillating is fine. There's nothing wrong with titillating, but I also just like like a lot of the art that I like is designed to make people just feel bad. Yeah, oh, I love that. I, it also makes me feel cool to look at. It. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I feel cool now. Um, especially if I had one of your shirts. I think I plan on getting one at some point. Nice. Yeah, your shirts are sick. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I was looking. The St. Vitus is uh—they're out of your stuff, I think. Right? Yeah, they have a poster now, but the the shirts were like a limited thing that I did for the Kickstarter campaign, um, and then I think we ran a few additional ones, which went really well, right? Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, I, uh, uh, what did they what did they make? What was, what was the number? Like how much over? I think we managed to, so we set because, so actually I like built the campaign um, and ran it last year because I felt like, well, it it wasn't so much just me, um, but like, I just, it was like one of those things where I felt like very helpless um, watching all of the shit around us, like kind of cascade and crash. And, um, and so this was like a way I could channel my anxiety into something productive. Um, so we've sent sort of like a deliberately low goal because Kickstarter is like an all or nothing thing. 
Yeah. And so I think our original goal was like $30,000. Um, and I think at the end of it, we hit close to 130,000, which was awesome. But also like in the context of like an entire year's worth of lost business and like updates that needed to be made to like the structure of a bar, like, you know, all of that stuff. It, you know, I think a lot of um, bars and venues last year, like any funds that they raised, it was awesome. But like it, it kind of couldn't replace like a whole year of being open, you know? Absolutely. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was really amazing to see just like the community response to that. And I think that that's sort of really at the end of the day, why that campaign was successful is that like, um, Vitus has managed to carve out a space within the metal community as like a, an important thing that should continue to exist. And so they were able to kind of like leverage those relationships in getting people to help support. Yeah. What is, what is their mission? If you had to like boil it down, I'm sure because i don't know like weird and dark music i mean it's more than that though it's like they 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 provide a service that's like not even just where they're at i mean i think they just want to kind of be a place that can help facilitate like more out there art and music um mostly music but uh i mean they didn't when they started they actually didn't really start with the intention of being a venue um they started thinking that they were just going to be um, like a bar that sometimes had shows. Oh, sick. Um, so. so you work with, you work for them. Right? Yeah, I do. I do their like, I think, I guess my technical title, if I have one is like director of marketing. I don't remember exactly what it says in my email signature, but it's like basically a promo and doing like the social media stuff and ticketing and stuff like that. So jack of all trades. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you seem to be like an encyclopedic knowledge of events such as early World War One plastic surgery with Dr. Harold Gillies. Is that right? I uh, can't speak French, so I'm going to assume that it's something like Gillies, but like I, if you, I have no idea, truly yeah. none. We'll say Dr. Harold. Um, yes. So I, we already kind of talked about this a little bit. So you watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books. You still do that and is there anything yeah. that you've watched or read recently that uh was fascinating to you so i'm more of like a reading than a documentary thing person words um clearly proving that i'm a reading person by just bungling the shit out of that sentence um mostly i've been reading um fiction or poetry these days but um I don't know. I have a big stack of things that I keep meaning to get to. Um, I guess the most recent documentary I probably really love and can't stop talking about. There are these two episodes of, uh, I don't know if they were actually both episodes of American Masters. There's an American Masters episode on Andrew Wyeth that's really amazing. And then there's a Sally Mann documentary that I've watched like four times. Um, so, What's the deal with that? What's, what's Sally Mann? Uh, Sally Mann is a photographer. She's, I want to say she's in her 50s or 60s at this point, maybe older. Um, but she's an American photographer who got sort of famous for photographing her children. Um, but she was, you know, photographing her children, like running around uh, like feral kids. So there was some big uproar about the fact that like 
she photographed one of her daughters like shirtless holding a candy cigarette and people were like "Ooh, like you're exploiting your children she was like no my kids are just like running around wild in the woods um but she's like a technically extremely gifted photographer um a lot of her bodies of work also deal with sort of more dark and ambiguous subject matter like she goes around using like really old traditional photography techniques like plate glass that's been coated in emulsions that she makes um and will photograph like civil war battlefields um she did a series of photos on like body farm decay um like a body farm so it's a it's a thing that's like done for um medical research usually um but basically you like leave a whole bunch of bodies out in a field exposed to the elements and like watch the various stages of decomposition um which the the body farm series is a little bit controversial since because i think sally mann didn't realize that some of the people that were there were like you know incarcerated people who had died and so she's like i don't think they consented so i feel a little bit weird about these photos now but um other times it's you know people who've left their body to science or whatever um but yeah no i mean she's just very thoughtful in the way that she talks about how she makes work and like her process and then the images themselves are also just like stunning so very like dark southern gothic kind of stuff where it's like really kind of looking at like these sort of subject matter like she she's good at looking at subject matter that's simultaneously beautiful and kind of upsetting or unsettling or unsettling or eerie or whatever oh have you done a lot of traveling not a ton um would always want to do more um but no i mean i've like been out of the country i've been to europe a couple of times but not like extended periods and i've been to like embarrassingly few parts of the united states have you been to the south because you just you just mentioned it not really um yeah i don't know i'm i'm very much like a northeast cities kind of gal and i've been to like the west coast i really have not spent any time in the south um which you know at some point, probably I should, but also like maybe not until people start uh, getting vaccinated. Yeah, I agree. The South's not great at that currently. Um, yeah. What are you drinking, by the way? It looks so cool. Oh, a on top of there. It's a koozie on top of here, but it's a kombucha. I don't know. Ah, cool. Well, I mean, I love kombuchas. Uh, makes my tummy feel better than just a straight up whatever else I'm drinking. Um, yeah. So you have, uh, I guess, do you know, have any idea how many pieces of art you have on your website? Uh, probably a gross amount. I do need to update it because there's some things that are not on there. It's also very horribly organized. So like I, I'm, I would, it's probably a lot, but I'm also not sure that I would count some of like the collage flyers that I've done for shows. Fair enough. Uh, so my buddy and I counted it up 145 pieces. Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Uh, so you're super, super prolific, I would say. It's funny because I don't feel like I am. You are. So that's actually really cool to hear. Like, yeah, hey. no, Absolutely. I would say any any good artist is super prolific. Like, you know, that's just how it goes. Like, and some people see a lot more and then, you know, some people don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there are some artists who didn't really make a whole bunch of stuff and they're still fucking awesome. There's some 
God, there's some Japanese artist whose name I'm totally blanking on who made some of the spookiest shit. Um, and I can't remember what his name was. There's some, it, he doesn't have a ton of paintings. He died really young, I think, unfortunately, by suicide. Um, I think I'll have to look this up later because his work is absolutely incredible. Just really upsetting, <laughs> surreal stuff. Well, that sounds great. If you think of it, DM me later. That sounds definitely. Awesome. Uh, that sounds really morbid, but I'm pretty interested now. Um, so yeah, what do you your your work life balance? You've definitely talked about this uh, anxiousness. It's not great. Uh, art, uh, and now you you work for the place that you did. You hang out at St. Vitus first? Did you? Uh... I hung out there first. I actually I also have a day job that's like a nine to five because I need health insurance. So yeah, yeah, you do. Um, well, cool. That's uh, and you're so... doing art, and you're doing you're doing a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's a lot. I'm burnt out like six times over. Um, but the, the art making side of it is, I mean, as much as I'll grouse about like certain things where it's like a commission that I shouldn't have taken because it's not actually a good fit, but like, I like the person, that kind of thing. Um, I'll complain about those, but like the, the art making side of it, I don't usually feel burnt out by doing um it's everything else yeah and i bet just all the, all the things around it yeah i mean the the vitus thing i started doing because i was just there a lot um because i was i lived in the neighborhood at the time um and i also was uh photographing shows for um a local music site called brooklyn vegan so just there a lot and they were like wow you're somebody who probably understands how to use the internet yeah um cool and uh so you probably don't have to do a ton of networking in person that doesn't sound like you're um doing that in general and like your work online kind of speaks for itself at this point which is good because i'm very bad at networking don't tend to pitch my work to anybody and like if i'm at a show i will actively try and hide from people who talk to me so you just like be there yeah, or like I'll just want to like talk to the handful of people that I know well. Um, and it's nothing against like people broadly. I just tend to be fairly bad at large scale social situations. <laughs> they make me very uncomfortable. Um, even when people are wonderful and nice, I just find it very tiring. Um, so networking is never really something that I'm great at. And I always feel really disingenuous doing it. Um, but like, there are ways around that in that, like, if I get really stoked on the creative thing that somebody else has done, it's very easy for me online to be like, Hey, here's this creative thing. That's sick as hell. Um, check it out. And then sometimes you can like, I guess air quotes here, like network that way. But to me, that doesn't feel like networking. That feels like just talking to somebody about their work and how cool it is. Yeah. And like networking for the sake of networking kind of turns my stomach. Like I, it's like, it's a necessary evil. I get that, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can kind of consider that the same way. I have to tell my partner, like I'm, I'm going to a show. It's, it's kind of like networking, but I'll write yeah. somebody that it's going to ask me to do something. I'm sure. Yeah, it's that. It's like also, you know, going to a show, going to openings, like it's 
going to openings feels more like networking because you can't really even see the art when you're at the opening because there are too many people. Yeah. And you're just standing around. There's no loud music to kind of drown out the person yeah. you want to talk to. Yeah. I mean, like getting uh, what's referred to as getting rock locked. I don't know how commonly used that is as an expression. It's just that. like uh, a thing sometimes. I don't know even who came up with the idea, but it's like when you start talking to somebody at a show and then you just get kind of like stuck talking to that person, you get rock locked by them. I love that. I've never had a, a way to say that properly. Cause in, in those cases, usually they, it's different than getting punished where you've got like somebody who's like talking to you about your stuff in a way that's like really flattering, but also very intense and like extricating yourself from that is difficult. Um, which mercifully I have very little experience with that, but um being rock locked is more of like a social thing and it's usually not like this person's bad or anything it's more like i don't know how to leave this conversation yeah right yeah makes sense um how did you link up link up with cool keith oh okay so that was kind of weird because so there's this label in nashville like really small label called anti-corp music um I know Yaucha, this like awesome, I don't even know what you would, they're like a metal band nominally, but like, I don't know, they've got like grind and death metal and all this other, like there, nobody sounds like them and it's great. Um, so I did like a weird limited release for them through that label. Um, and then that label had like a, a record store day release um, with Cool Keith. Because the label owner is in this band called Phaeton, T-H-E-T-A-N. And they've actually since put out a full length with Cool Keith. Um, But prior to that, they did like a a single for record store day. So, and he specializes in all these like weird vinyl um, formats because he does like vinyl pressing. Um, So like the Yaucha release that I did was like a five song EP of some like re-released or like new, like live recordings of material. And it had like a a B-side etching, Um, which when he asked me to do that, I was like, you can, you can what? You can etch the B-side of a record? Who knew? Because I didn't have a turntable. Um, But yeah, Dan, the guy who, who runs that label is awesome. So he, he hit me up about that and I couldn't say no. Because yeah. it was a cool, weird project. Yeah, have you ever met Cool Keith? No. All right. I actually like didn't interact with him at all for like this was all like run through Dan. I would love to meet Cool Keith, but I've yeah, like seems I've had so no cool. occasion. It seems so cool. Uh, I mean, it's in the name. I was just like one of the things that just stuck out to me is like how did that happen? Um, right. Yeah, it's definitely like a weird one, and I'm very lucky that something like that happened because it's like super singular as an opportunity so yeah what have you been listening to lately while you're uh while you're doing art uh oh so i've i've described my music habits recently as wallowing um which gets back to the whole like i only like bad things that make me feel bad (laughs) um but it's like a mix of metal non-metal um new old uh for the 
metal side of things, the new plebeian grandstand record is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Um, and actually you as a drummer, especially like this, this album is insane. Um, it's like very, uh, so plebeian like is a weird to spell word. It's P L E B E I A N and then grandstand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they're French, they're intense and strange and wonderful. Um, but yeah. And then like a bunch of like Snoopy dance goth music stuff. I've listened to the, I forget what the name of the Camille's record is. It's, um, I'm going to tap out now. I can't even tap over to it. Um, but I've listened to that like eight times this week. It's really unhealthy. <laughs> um, new Emma Ruth Rundle. Hmm? You say chameleon? You kind of cut Chameleons. out. Chameleons, yeah. It's like a UK like goth band from the eighties, um, and then I don't know, like stuff that, yeah. Snoopy dance, is that right? Snoopy dance. All right. Um, like you know how like at the beginning, like you know how the Peanuts kids dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I was just like, yeah, it's how goth kids dance. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, stuff by like Armand Hammer or Billy Woods or uh, like the Backwoods Studio kind of. It's just like incredible. Armin Hammer put out a record earlier this year with The Alchemist. Um, That's really amazing, but like their back catalog is also awesome. Billy Woods is one half of Armin Hammer, like extensive solo records, like truly one of like the craziest lyricists in hip hop that I've ever encountered. Um, uh, Numerous of Needler, New Succumb. Um, for older stuff, I've definitely found myself returning to like, um, God, like just, I don't know. Uh, there's this weird record by this band Dross that I've never, I don't even know like how, like what scene they belong in, but, um, this guy I know made this list of like noise rock. Um, and it's like, he was it was like 20 bands that like may or may not be noise rock according to my like my, his weird like definition um and i found it on that list and it, it like i haven't heard anything like it it's bizarre um i don't know low the band um like the slow core minnesota mormon couple <laughs> i don't know you can tell i can kind of just like keep going um i love them but I, I need some new music so i'm just yeah. yeah i guess also like usa nails would be another good one to mention they're like a weird like sarcastic punk band noise rock band from the uk and they're called usa something usa nails yeah oh rad but yeah i don't know and then just like the there are a couple shows that i've been to that are coming up that i'm stoked about so like revisiting a bunch of stuff by like inner arma or by yauja or you know um whatever all that stuff oh and then also there's this other sorry i'll stop after this um but there's this like kind of trip hop ish like electronic like analog synth guy called public memory that's really good um so yeah definitely a lot of public memory like unhealthy amounts of public memory and soft kill so you should just put a Spotify playlist together. I'll check it out. I yeah, I probably should. I don't actually really use Spotify for the most part because like I um I just have 
all of my music library and mp3s and also i have like goldfish memory so Whoa. if i don't stick my like music library on shuffle sometimes i just like forget Wait. about things now i'm genuinely curious how do you get your mp3 you just download it from the internet yeah Whoa. like 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 we used to do back in the old days wow <laughs> yeah it's yeah. some geriatric shit still going um, <laughs> still going yeah. by what do you, you just like band camp i guess Bandcamp is mostly how I'll acquire stuff. If it's something where I like have to, I'll try to acquire whatever it is through like the artist or like label. Absolutely. Um, and you're actually like paying money to, to do it. Yeah. Supporting the artist. Yeah. I mean, like I like have a day job, so now. exactly. Yeah. I have a day job so I can like throw money at the art that I like. That is so cool. Okay. Now, now I got to start doing that a little bit more. Well, there is a Bandcamp day coming up. I think it's the last one that they're going to do. Yeah, so, I, I don't know podcast. if you're familiar with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard a podcast with uh, the owners of Bandcamp, and apparently they don't make shit for money themselves. <laughs> but yeah, it's I respect what they've done. I yeah, appreciate I'll, them. That's what I mean. It's like it's really about the band. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's so cool. I um. So the, actually, the whole reason I've never I've been out to New York once, and because my sister lives there, but she's from Manhattan and she's extremely bougie. So I only saw like rooftop places that I really did not fit in. Yes. Um, so no, no, it, it was cool to be in a jacuzzi and whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, so I'm going out there 6th through the 13th and I just want to see some cool spots. We're going to a show. We're going to see all them witches and my buddy who got this like linked up with you um, lives out in Brooklyn. And so if you have any recommendations, places to eat, um, places to go see bars. I would love to hear you're only there for a week. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I obviously Vitus, but I also, it, it depends on like where shows are. Um, man, I don't know. Like I, there's a lot of good stuff in like North Brooklyn and Bushwick and Ridgewood and stuff like that, but it depends on like the type of food, dietary restrictions. You mentioned vegetarian I'm really bad at vegetarian stuff because I have like weird intersecting food allergies that make vegetarian food kind of hard. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I have celiac and I'm allergic to soy, so that like eliminates most of the vegetarian protein sources. Yeah, right. Yeah. And also, hey, I'm down for anything. And I'll, when I'm traveling, <laughs> I usually eat meat because it's just, it's like the fun. There are some, no, but there are some sick vegetarian plant based places um, that you can find uh, around. I just, because of the aforementioned food allergies, I'm like real terrible at knowing where to eat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's some, I think it's, it's less like about where you're going and more about like who you're there with and like what else you can see as far as like recommendations for New York. I think the thing where I'm probably better equipped to give recommendations is like art exhibits and galleries yeah. and stuff oh, like that yeah. yeah give me some of those let's let's see that I'm, I'm super down we're going out to do more podcasts and like filming nice. it's the first time doing that really that's rad yeah i mean if you're still if the jennifer packer show at the whitney is still up when you're out it's like truly one of like the best like she's like clearly one of the best living painters and it's one of the best things i've ever seen um definitely looking to go back yeah, but jennifer packer Cool. yeah um but no there's starting to be like cool galleries and stuff in brooklyn as well um 
it's just like the Brooklyn gallery scene is like a little more far flung and like gallery scenes in general tend to be, I mean, it's very like the, the art kind of has to exist in a way where it can be sellable. So there's like, I don't know, but yeah, ask, ask me later. I'll, I'll have better, like, I'll have a better like list of things. Tell me where you're staying. I can, I can definitely help with that. I just, totally I'm, yeah my mind just right drew now. a blank yeah yeah i get that that's why i sometimes i i kind of forgot to do it with you but i'll be like hey i'm gonna ask you some questions like people to shout yeah. out and shit and um forgot to whatever um what about bars though i'm i'm a big fan like if if you if you were looking to go to a show for some weekend would you check besides st vitus where would you uh kind of look at I mean, it depends on the neighborhood because like realistically there's going to be something awesome in every neighborhood that you're in um it's just also like the type of awesome if that makes sense mm -hmm. um i don't know like there are also like a bunch of really awesome like breweries and stuff like that that you can find like if you if you feel up for it like brewery hopping in long island city can be kind of fun um there's starting to be more stuff of that nature in Greenpoint. Um, depends on like the ambiance that you're looking for. Um, but a lot of those places, like a lot of places in Williamsburg and Greenpoint and Long Island City also have gotten a little like Manhattan out. Um, so, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm partial to Ridgewood just because it's like home base. Um, but it's also a little far flung. Got it. Cool. So I have questions about putting you on spot for that. You're good. <laughs> um so da, 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 da. uh oh yeah this is a just a random question how do musicians get their shit around new york side up side question to that do you have a car have you ever had a car so we actually do have a car um but it's kind of unusual and it would not work if we were not both working from home because of alternate side parking um most of the time i think if folks are in New York, it used to be Zipcar potentially, mm. or they'll do like a an Uber XL or Lyft XL. Um, some folks have vans where they might like rent a U-Haul van because it's cheap. Um, but I think that's mostly how I've seen folks do it. Because like if you're playing a place that has a backline already, like then you don't have to bring like the full cab, um, but you also have to tr trust the backline. Yeah, that's scary yeah especially if it's getting used so much um okay. yeah yeah that was just a question i had to know because it's hard enough and i live in like a small town where there's plenty of parking um so that makes sense um what are your relationships with artists and labels are there people that consistently hit you up for art yeah uh so i've had some return clients which is actually always awesome um I mean, like Piron is like the big one, um, mm -hmm. but that's also, you know, special use case because my partner is the singer uh, and like, I've just known them forever. Um, but I guess uh, like Annie Court music, I've done the Cool Keith label, I've done stuff for a few times. Um, I've done two shirts for Portrayal of Guilt who are this like kind of younger, uh, I guess they kind of get lumped in with like screamo and scrams, but they've got like this black metal kind of extreme metal influence. That's kind of interesting. Um, kind of interesting sounds like 
a backhanded compliment, but no, they're, uh, they're really awesome. I don't think anybody's doing anything that sounds quite like what they're doing either. Um, which is really cool to see. Um, I've worked with Interarma a bunch of times, um, cause they're awesome. Um, and they're some of my fave people. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think offhand. I don't know, like the, the scene, the, the side of it that's kind of interesting is that the scene is so small that like you just know people because you see them at places like, oh, yeah, actually, this is a good example. Um, Immortal Bird um, are a band from Chicago. I've done two hoodie designs for them. Um, Ken Mode, I've done two hoodie designs or two merch designs, a shirt and a hoodie. Um, they're like a, I don't know, I don't even know what you would call them. Um, it's like metalcore, but that seems like a derisive thing to call them. Um, but like extreme music from Manitoba. Um, but yeah, no, it is like every, it's a small world. So like everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of like start to meet people. And I guess like I've done stuff for Pig Destroyer a couple of times. Nice. Um, and they're super awesome. But yeah, I think it really just boils down to like, it's, and I think this gets back to like why people in that world are so excited about art in the first place is that it is like a really small community. I mean, it's like a lot of people, but it's like a lot, it's still at the same time, you know, you're not really ever more than a couple of degrees separated from someone. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Um, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So I just have a few remaining questions. Sure. I really appreciate it, by the way. Yeah, likewise. Um, so you don't, I would assume that you don't really do much digital art. Is that right? You're always about drawing and, and kind yeah. of. Yeah. And uh, nothing well, against I, it. Nothing against it. Have you ever really like ventured out in that way or is it just not for you? Um, I've tried a little bit, but like there's something about the actual tactile side of things that just like i'm much more interested in um i mean i've done like for shirts and stuff you you can't really color those digitally like you or uh, sorry manually like you have to take your ink drawing and then like color stuff digitally um in order to like make it work like you could you could do it the other way but it'd be an enormous pain in the ass and like why would you um and like if I've done like some goofy collages and stuff like that, but like, and those are digital because I don't have the patience to <laughs> do like a full mixed media collage. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's like it's it really just boils down to like liking the way that something feels when you're working with it. Um, and like, if you're gonna be doing visual art, you should like what you're working with. Cause it's, it's like how you'll have fun. It's how you'll do more of it. So. And do you just kind of rotate through different styles and mediums? Like if somebody asks you to do spe- something specific, if you're into cross hatching that, that month, you're maybe going to do that or. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it like depends on the purpose. Um, like if it's something for a shirt, it's probably always going to be pen and ink. Um, just because that's like the most expedient. I've done some shirts where it's actually been across like a, a scratch board. Um, so, but like the scratch board is like five inches by five inches. Um, so the nice thing about it is that it scales up real well yeah. um, with like the, the size of the lines. But the bad thing is that like you really have to nail the drawing for it to work when it's scaled up. 
Um, and if you don't, it just looks stupid. Um, I bet, so. yeah. Probably pain in the ass if you like mess up that one line. You're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah I've absolutely started over with Scratchboard and like it was the right choice, but it, it just hurts every time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, do you have an idea of success for yourself? Um, it's sort of a hard thing to say because like I would love to be able to do art more as like a percentage of how I spend my days. Um, but I also appreciate sort of the freedom from not having to pay my rent with it because it means I can get real weird with it and not like worry about whether someone's going to buy it to put on their walls. Um, cause like realistically really gross shit doesn't super sell well. Um, it might be great for like a metal shirt or for an album cover or something like that, where you've got like people who are able to get this like more mass produced thing. Um, cause they're more interested in like the gross thing, but people are going to usually drop the money on an original piece of art. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just, um, I sent you, uh, the other artist I, I interviewed Sean Mundy. The photographer. Yeah. yeah. That was sick. He said, almost verbatim exactly what you just said he loves having his like side i don't know loves he likes having his like side job he's he would love to pay his rent and all that stuff with it but then he also loves being able to do whatever the fuck yeah i mean that's the thing is like i think my my vision my vision of success would be more that like it's contingent on variables i have no control over like being able to access healthcare or pay my rent with a part-time job instead like so like i i can't control either the cost of housing or like you know access to medicine um so my version of success right now is just like being able to get to work with people who i like and who are interested in having me do what I want to do and not like just kind of churning out some shit that they've got in their head is like a specific vision. Yeah. How many pieces of work do you work on uh, at once? Like how many, how many do you have in rotation if any currently? I mean, I've definitely got personal things that have been just like sitting neglected for a while. Um, I'm kind of muscling through like one specific thing right now uh, and starting to like percolate on a couple of other things. Um, or I guess I'm kind of working through two specific things, but like the rotation between the two of them has been kind of weighted more towards one towards than the other. But would you draw as much if you didn't have commissions or if you didn't have? Um... Yeah, would you draw as much just regularly if you never put anything out? Uh, it's a good question. I like I would like to think so, but like realistically, it like having a deadline and an objective can also like help you move. Um, but I'm kind of, after the current crop of commissions that I have, I'm kind of giving myself some space to like try and do personal stuff. Cause I just like, haven't gotten to for a while. And I think being able to make room to like play, I guess, is pretty important to like your actual development creatively and technically and all that stuff. Yeah. Just not been doing that. (laughs) That's all good. Uh, so yeah, I, I love your work. I, I appreciate you. you doing this. Um, just a couple last things. Um, anybody you'd want to shout out 
or just like artists you're into right now or just people in general yeah i mean the list is gonna be like way too long and i'm sure i've forgotten people but i mean always allison summers is just like one of the best like weirdest artists that i know um her work is incredible um alex ekman lawn like is an absolute fave and he's also working in a medium that i truly have no idea like how to do myself um he does like mostly these collages and there's like a cut paper like layered element to them um shit i don't know uh in like the fine art world like obviously jennifer packer um feral Ibaez is incredible um toyan oji oditola is like also another artist who's like absolutely amazing um i actually i do keep I keep an Instagram account just for this because I like always kind of space um, on remembering artists. And so, but like one of my like, everything is shit. I want to feel better about things. Coping mechanisms is like looking at art. Um, so I like just kind of dig into to people's work and um, I'll like keep them on this separate Instagram account just for funsies. Um, and then, God, I don't know. I'm really bad at this. Um, Ethan McCarthy has been doing some really cool stuff collage-wise, especially recently, where it's just this like very aggressive, I don't know what I'm looking at kind of stuff, which is awesome. Um, Gregory Jacobson is amazing. Um, he's a painter out of Chicago, like weird, surreal stuff. Um, I don't know, Christian Max Van Minen is always doing cool stuff and it's like really ridiculous. Um Yeah, I don't know. I I that's a lot. I could keep going, yeah. But uh, that's great. Um yeah, I appreciate that. Where where can people find you specifically? Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter at, at Caroline Draws, um on the internet at carolinedraws.com. Uh lurking around in corners in brooklyn and queens um i don't know spending way too much time on my phone uh yeah and then like i'll i'll post art that i like at uh proxy for a pulse all one word at instagram so which is a beauty pill lyric and beauty pill is a sick band hey another one to check out cool name too i like that yeah all right well thank you yeah thank you so much for your time If you enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron on Patreon.com. Early access to episodes, bonus interviews, and much more. Head to Patreon.com slash Breaking North. That's Patreon.com slash Breaking North. There is not a person out there that wouldn't like to learn to play the drums. Learn to play the drums from a working professional over Zoom. It's never been easier to book an affordable lesson than going to Zendrummond.com. From seasoned professionals to those who haven't made the leap to buying their first kit. Learn to play your favorite music. Head on over to zendrummond.com to book a free consultation and two discounted intro lessons. Life is a hell of a lot more fun when you play some drums. Would you like to see more stories of artists, creators, and characters that we love? Sign up for the Breaking North newsletter. To sign up, click the link in the show notes. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review if you like the show. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Zen Prayer Project. Make sure to follow the Zen Prayer Project on Instagram. Leave us a review for any of the episodes that you liked. And consider sharing this with a friend that might be interested in this sort of show. We'll see you next time.